back, guys, to the 22nd podcast of The Mindset Effect. Today, we are going to be interviewing JT McCormick. So, JT, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Guys, what's going on? How you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? And I am excellent, always excellent. You wake up in the morning and your feet hit the ground, you got to be excellent. Oh, yeah, as long as you're living. Um, but yeah, right. so, we, so we like to do a thing um, that we started recently where we let our guests introduce themselves. I think you, know, you get a better perspective of what the person wants to share. Um, so you want to go ahead and give a brief overview of like you and your backstory? Wow, man, you're going to have, have me introduce myself. So that's, that's, <laughs> a, that's a bit of a, a loaded question. You say that what the guest wants to share about myself. So mm-hmm. get, given that I'm the CEO of a publishing company, I'm an open book, man. And I, I don't, no pun intended. But so yeah. so let, let's, let's do this. You said normally you have your guest introduce themselves. I don't like to do normal, so I love it. you all introduce me, and oh, we'll go down that path. <laughs> <laughs> we just Works got the tables turns. Wow. Yeah, love That's it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so JT, from what I've read, you are the CEO of Scribe Media. You want to tell us a little bit more about that and how you got that started? Yeah, so, so what we do, Scribe, we are a publishing company. We help authors publish, write, and market their books. And we're five years old. We have helped over 1,600 authors. And some of the big names we've worked with last year was uh, we, we published David Goggins' book, The Ex-Navy Seal. So we, we did his book. That was a big win, especially he had the most sought-after book in America last year, second only to Michelle Obama. Uh, wow. So that was a big one. From a quality standpoint, one of my favorites is we did the book for the Nobel Peace Prize Committee. And mm-hmm. I... I kindly make the joke that if it's good enough for the Nobel Peace Prize Committee, then we're, no one else has an excuse not to work with this. So uh, most of our authors, though, uh, aren't, aren't of uh, fame, I guess what you, you would say. Most are CEOs, business founders, owners, consultants, coaches, things of that nature. And then we have a group of people who write their book as, as a legacy piece. So I've been here. The when when I started with the company, the company was 13 months old. So I've been here four of the five years that the the company's been around. Mm. Would you say that most of your clients are book smarts or street smarts? Because I feel like a lot of CEOs, you know, they're like a they're they're a mix of both. Um, but what are your what are your thoughts on that? Oh man, you, you said mo- most CEOs are a mix of both. I'd actually push back or we got to get into the definition of street smarts because yeah. I have a whole different definition of street yeah. smart than, than most. I, I, I don't <laughs> see uh, Bob Iger or Jamie Dimon uh, with, the, <laughs> with the same level of street smarts. But uh, on the other side, I'm not on the book smart of most CEOs. So, yeah. you know, it's, it, different dynamics for, for different people. But the, the great majority of our authors, yes, most, I would say, if not all, but most are college educated. Um, and so I would, for, for me, I would say most of them are, are more commonly book smart, uh, academically smart than street smart. We, we've got a couple who, mm. who are, are street smart, uh, like, you know, David Goggins, you know, he's, yeah ex-Navy SEAL. He's, he's done some things. So uh, big difference between book and street smart. Yeah. Do you think, uh, do you think like being book smart, like impedes their creativity at all? 
I, I can't, given that I don't have a degree, a college degree, I mean, you're, you're talking to the guy, I've got a GED and no college degree. Mm -hmm. So for me, I can't speak on that. I, I don't have an opinion one way or the other. I, I, I personally believe it would be uh, kind of bullshit for, for me to comment on something that I don't have. Uh, so I don't have a college degree, but what, what I can tell you is what people have said to me. Uh, and, and we're talking about people who have gone to the University of Chicago, Duke Law School, Harvard. And I'll say to you what they, they've mentioned to me. It's actually a blessing that I never went to college because it would have clouded a lot of the thinking and things that I learned from the streets. Yeah, yeah. Totally agree with that. Yeah. So like for someone who's younger, maybe just graduating high school, would you give them advice? Like obviously it would depend on their situation, but would you say like if they're looking to get into entrepreneurial things in the entrepreneurial realm, would you say that they should look into doing like a business or entrepreneurship degree or should they just not go? You know, it, it, like you said, it, it depends on each person's situation. So I'll, I'll give you a great example. I'm as, asked this question quite often, given I, I've got four children and my, my children are young. You know, they're six, six, five, three and one. But do I want them to go to college? Yes. Uh, but, but it depends on the situation. You know, if one of the, the kids is... Uh, says, you know, dad, I want to start a business. I much rather fund and back his business or her business versus uh, send you off to school and pay, you know, 200 grand for a degree from the University of Georgetown that, that you know, you may come out and, and make 50, 60, 70 grand a year. So I, I much rather throw dollars behind backing a business and, and especially with the knowledge that I have to be able to assist in, in growing that business than I would a college degree. Now, Granted, she's six years old, so this is probably going to change 72 <laughs> times between now and then. But, you know, my daughter wants to be an um, obstetrician. She says she wants to be a baby doctor. Okay, you got to go to school for that. So, you know, if, if that's truly the plan she sticks to and that's where she wants to go, well, then, you know, dad will pay for medical school. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. like for parents who obviously, again, this will depend, but like for parents who um, have a kid who's like entrepreneurial and like wants to start something, um, they're kind of on the edge. Like, what would you say to them? I'll say this to regardless if it's entrepreneurial or not. I'll always support my, my children what path they want to go down. If we, we all know teachers don't make a lot of money. That's just a fact mm -hmm. <laughs> that teachers do not make a lot of money. But if one of my children says, hey, dad, I, I want to be an English teacher and, and for third graders, I, I got to support that. So I'm going to support my, my child regardless of what direction they want to go. But I am going to make sure they go a direction. What, you know, pick a direction. What do you want to do? Commit to that direction and, and let's go from there. So if you do have a child who's entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial you have to support that. You know, what, what is it that you want to do? And, and, and it's got to be a direction. I'll, I'll say this especially for, for you guys and, and your audience. Man, do not let social media uh, define success for you. You know, some people will see the successful uh, 19, my, my guy over at, uh, what's his name, Evan over at Snapchat. Uh, every, everyone looks, oh my God, look, look what he did. Uh, you know, don't let someone else's definition of success 
define yours. You have to figure out what success means to you. So half the time, the, the I don't know if I can cuss on here, half the shit you see on Instagram, yeah, I don't buy into that mm -hmm. crap. Uh, it, it's, so you've got to decide what, what's the best path for you. Yeah, frankly, a lot of young people, they are, a lot of young people seek short-term gains, you know? Yes. But people like me and Andrew, like we are really committed to the long-term because we know that if we work like five, 10 years, it'll pay off and we can enjoy less by then, by then. So, you know, having that long-term outlook, I think really helps. Totally. Totally guys. I, you know, you, you, you asked me to tell more uh, about my background. So you, you guys know this, uh, you, I'm sure you did some, some of your homework. Yes. My, mm -hmm. my father was a black pimp in, in the 1970s. My, my father used to put women on a street corner, the women sold their bodies. And then my dad, my dad took every dollar. Uh, my dad, I had also fathered 23 children. So I'm one of 23. Wow. I'm the only one by my mother. My mother was an orphan. My mother's white. Uh, she was raised in a 1950s institutional orphanage. So when she left that orphanage, she didn't have any family. They gave her $20, a small suitcase and said, good luck to you. There's the world. And so to this day, I don't know where my last name comes from. She was given that last name in the orphanage. I was in and out of juvenile three different times as a kid. Uh, again, I've got a GED. Man, when, when I was 15 years old, I, I took a test uh, to, to find out where I was academically. And when I was 15, I took a test and I was uh, testing on a fifth and sixth grade level. So, you know, there's not a lot of academic credentials going on up in my head, but from a business standpoint, I, I found my lane. I found the thing that, that I feel that I'm pretty good at. And that's what I committed to. You know, I, I put out a post the other day. It said that I choose to focus on my strengths and not my weaknesses. And what I mean by that is I am a horrible speller, horrible. So I could spend an entire year working to become a better speller. And at the end of the year, I'm going to be mediocre at best. What did I accomplish? I got spell check. I don't need, I don't need to, to become a better speller. So I'm going to focus on the things that are going to progress me at what I'm doing and what that lane is for me and where I want to get better. And you can't commit to everything, meaning you can't sit back and say, okay, I want to learn how to play the guitar. And then I want to go to the club Thursday through Sunday. And then I want to binge watch on Friday, you know, Friday through Sunday, you can't commit to everything. So you've got to figure out what are the, for me, I call them the five pillars. My five pillars are God, health, family, business, and investing. If it doesn't fall within those five things, I don't commit to it. So everyone's got to find their pillars of, of what's important to them and commit. Yeah, it's, it's all about the, it's all about the return on the invested time. Like you can, you can, cause my personal belief is that anyone, they can become good at anything. They just have to put in the time, but you yep. have to know what is worth putting the time in. And you know, that's where your principles come in. Like what kind of principles do you stick with in your life? The same ones, man. God, they got, okay, yeah. <laughs> if, if it's not, I, I, I mean, I'm so strong on this, man. I'll give you a great example. So I've made a few dollars over my career. I'm pretty confident that I could afford to have ESPN on the direct TV subscription, but I don't have ESPN. And the reason being is unless Tom Brady is going to send me 
part of his $25 million contract. I don't give a damn. You know, I, I do love college football. I love professional football. I love golf. But none of those things are progressing me forward to the things that I want to accomplish. Again, I've got four uh, small children. To play a round of golf takes four and a half hours. I'd rather have that time with, with my kids. Now, don't get me wrong. When they're all of age, everybody's taking golf lessons and we're going out and play, playing golf with dad. But right now, uh, if it doesn't move the needle for me, I don't do it. it matter, you guys got me on a roll now. So here, here's something that I saw a commercial the other day and it was talking about we're, we're all in this together during the virus disruption. And, and somebody said, uh, guilt-free binge watching. F you, guilt free. You, if if you have now have the time to sit back and binge watch, if you should be binge watching anything, it should be a masterclass on something that's going to progress you forward. Binge watching the Game of Thrones during this time period, I'm sorry, that's a waste of time. It's pretty much a waste of time anytime. Yeah, not but, just yeah, anytime. Yeah. Yeah. But but right now to sit there and say guilt-free binge watching, nah, bullshit. Right now, <laughs> if you have that at that extra time, oh my God, you there's you all, myself, are we, the internet was a gift for us because anything you want to know is on the internet. Anything you want to learn is on the internet. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to commit to those things versus uh, the things that, that my, my pillars that are going to progress me versus uh, what, what's the forget uh, tiger. What, Joe, Joe, what, what's the, the thing that everybody's been, been watching, binge watching on, on Netflix. Um, what, whatever it is, game the of Witcher? the Witcher. Part no Witcher. tiger, Joe, tiger, Joe exotic, what, whatever oh, wow. it is. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't commit to yeah. things that don't move me forward. Yeah, I think right now, like, is it's so obvious um, whether people are actually internally motivated or they just want to seem like they're hardworking on the outside. Because now no one's watching, and they can they can choose to binge watch or they can choose to you know work on themselves. And it's pretty obvious, you know, a lot of people they don't have that sort of internal motivation. Totally, uh, I, I live by this phrase: "Who you are when no one is watching." is who you are when everyone's watching. It, it's interesting. Some people try to put on a show and, and when they believe everyone's watching them, they want to look like they're a hard worker yeah. and they're doing this mm-hmm. and they're doing that. But when you're in the restroom by yourself and you're walking out and there's a paper towel on the floor, do you pick it up or do you just mm-hmm. leave it there? It's going to take mm-hmm. you two seconds to pick it up. Are you better yeah. than the uh, maintenance people who are in charge of cleaning up the restroom? Are you better than them? What, you can't bend over and pick up a, a paper towel? So who, who you are when no one is looking is who you are when everyone's looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In favor of like your own personal time optimization, like uh, we were talking about learning earlier, like how do you go about teaching yourself things? Like, so personally, I'm one of those people that doesn't tend to read too much because I think it's a lot faster for me to usually like go through some kind of, like you said, like masterclass online or something like a video or like a tutorial and actually do it. So like, I don't really read too much. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you read? Is that how you learn or? So, so you, you nailed it, man. It, again, that's, that's a personal how do, how do you consume information at a rapid pace, but still retain it? For me, I'm much like you. I can read a page 
get to the bottom and, and not even remember what I just read, mm-hmm. but you give me an audio book at one and a half speed. Oh, consumption like no other. I do so, two times speed. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. See, that's next, that's next level. So, uh, but yeah, I, I'm a big audio book guy. Love to take uh, audio books, uh, love to watch, you know, a couple of things that I've been into lately is studying the, um, what, the, what they call the, the robber barons, Carnegie, um, Morgan, Rockefeller, Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. and, and just studying them and watching documentaries on them on YouTube and, and hearing how they did things. How did they go about doing them? But also listening to the, the audio books. So yeah, I, I read. So we, we have an internal joke. Uh, we use Slack as an internal communication. And everyone knows if you send JT a Slack message with more than two sentences, he's not going to read it. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, I'm just curious. So how does the process of unlocking creativity like go in? Like, like, how do you guys, how do you do that? How do you help, you know, your clients unlock that creativity to write their books? So we're, we're, we're totally nonfiction. So this isn't, we're, we're not helping people write books about, you know, space and planet Ultron or what, whatever else. So the, the books that we're helping people with, they have to be knowledgeable in their field. So a, a lot of the founders, coaches, things of that nature, you know, they've got years of experience in, in what they're writing their book about. It's up to us to pull that information from them. So for us, we want them to sit back, grab their beverage of choice and let us ask the questions that pull out the details that make for a great story, that make for a great book. Uh, this, this is a, a proven fact. One of the hardest things to do is to think and write at the same time. Inevitably, what happens is as you're writing about one story, you start thinking about another story and you forget the details to the story that you're writing. So what we want you to do is sit back and let us pull that information from you. And if you want to jump from story to story, we can bring you back. We can ask details. We can dig deeper and allows you to focus on one thing, telling us the story. It's our, our responsibility. You, you hire us so we can pull that information from you, structure it, make sure it flows, make sure it makes uh, for a great book, so on and so forth. That's really so interesting. Like, what, was, what was the process of like starting Scribe and then like, why? Like, wh- uh, like obviously like people come up with ideas all the time, but they never actually take action on it. Like, what do you think, especially with your background, got you to really start this and go through with it? So yeah, this is a great, great question. I appreciate it. So I didn't actually start the company. Two, my two co-founders did. Okay. And, and I'll give you, give you the background story of how, how this went down. I was actually the president of a software company. And when I was at the software company, I started as the lowest paid person and I used to sit on a fold-out metal chair on a storage clo- in the storage closet to make my sales calls. So there were 13 of us. I'm in the storage closet. I'm making my sales calls. And within two years, I became the president of the software company. And I don't write code. And so we ended up growing the company from, from you know, a storage closet with 13 people. We ended up with uh, offices in Austin, Houston, Dallas, and Monterey, Mexico, well over 100 people, so on and so forth. So I was there for five years. Again, started as the lowest paid person, can't write code, uh, became the president. 
mm-hmm. when I was there towards the end of my career there, I was traveling a lot. And at the time I only had two children and I wanted to write my book. So my children knew my story, where I came from, how I got to where I am. And I got introduced to the two co-founders of Scribe. So the, one of the co-founders comes over to my office and we're sitting in this, this conference room. It's like a 50 person uh, table conference room. We wrap up and he says to me, Hey, as you go through our process, can you give me feedback? I said, yeah, sure. So I received my first interaction from, from the company, called him up and I said, Hey, do you still want feedback? He said, yes. I go, okay, this is great. This is great. This sucks. What were you thinking here? Don't ever do this again. And he goes, you got all that from an email. I said, yeah. And he said, would you sit on our advisory board? And I was like, all right, why not? Then he invited me to an executive meeting. Okay. And then one day he, myself and the other co-founder were at Starbucks and they offered me the opportunity to become the, the CEO. They said, you know, if we give you a large amount of equity in the company, would you become the, the CEO? And I thought, well, I've been the president of a software company. I can't write code. Why not be the CEO of a publishing company and I can't spell? So <laughs> let's make that happen. And so here I am, man. And again, the I do know this. The two co-founders, the way this came about was one of my co-founders, Tucker Max, is one of four people in the history of the world to have three New York Times bestselling books on the list simultaneously. There's only four people in the history of the world that have ever done that, and, and he's one of them. He got challenged one day on how someone could write a book without, without actually writing the book, and it'd be their content, not a ghostwriter. You know, ghostwriter in the traditional sense, you guys say, JT, hey, will you go write a book about the new iPhone? I go do a bunch of research, come back, we slap your name on it. That's, that's not your book. That's just mm-hmm. a book that we did some research on. So... He got challenged, they, they pulled it off, and next thing they know, one, one author led to another, led to another, and they woke up one day and said, holy shit, we've got a company, we're great at writing books, but we're not great at scaling and growing the company, what do we do? And that's where I came in. What do you think set like you apart? Like, you know, you raised, uh, you went up to president than that software company, like, what do you think separated you from all those other people? Was it work ethic or like, what was that? There really wasn't a separation uh, of what separated me from them. I I have a skill set that others don't, just like other people have a skill set that I don't. You know, we had software engineers. Most software engineers just want to sit, code, let me do my thing. Mine is more of engagement. Mine is more of structure, business, income statements, balance sheets, hiring people, culture, and really relationships around bringing in new business, sales. I remember the software engineers, they hated sales. They, don't want, they didn't want to try to sell, sell anything. And so I just had a different skill set. And I've always said this, for me, it doesn't really matter what the product or service is every product or service needs the business of business and the business of business being operational metrics, hiring, firing, culture, growth, scale, income statements, KPIs, all the things. Doesn't matter what your product or service is. Every business needs the business of business. I just happen to enjoy the the business of business aspect of it. It's an interesting term. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, 
do you guys have like a writing template when it comes to helping your clients out? Cause it sounds like you guys extract the information from them, but do you actually help them put that in a template or do you have them write it themselves? No, we, we do. So, so it's all your words, your content, your tone, your voice, but the, so the only thing you're not doing is putting your fingers on the keyboard. It's, it's up to us to do all the writing, to do all the structure, all the flow. It, it's your, your words, your tone, your voice, your content. We don't, we don't go in and, you know, if, if you say the sky is blue, we may be a little more descriptive and just the sky is blue, but we're not adding, if, if you're giving me information about a sales process we're not adding to your sales process information you're the expert so we want to make sure that we capture uh, your your content where we come in is we push for the details of that sales process to where when someone's reading it they have to understand oh wow that's a real detailed process they really laid this out great so there's no templates that that we actually use because every author is different Interesting. It sounds like a really time intensive process too. Like this yeah, start, start see, finish, it takes mm -hmm. about seven to nine months yeah, wow. for, for us to do publish a book. I see. In in like the beginning, um, before you worked for that software company, like um, you know, back with like your family, like what do you think? Was there a process that kind of got you to the mindset you're at today? Or is it like did you hear like a motivational speaker or did you have a mentor? Like how did that look? Man, I I live by a formula, mindset, choices, and hard work equals success. I grew up in chaos. So for me, every day was at times survival. How do you stay alive? How do you stay out of prison? How do you not end up dead? How do you eat today? How do you not get sexually molested today? So it, everything for me was survival. Um, the mindset that I do have is I knew I could control my work ethic. You know, there may be people in the room who have degrees, uh, academic credentials that I don't have, but I've always said to myself, okay, great. You're not going to outwork me though. I, mm -hmm. I, I can control the work ethic part of this. Mm -hmm. So where, where it really came from was always wanting to learn and pay attention and observe and, and where, where, can I get better? How can I improve? I'm constantly looking to, to improve myself, but you know, there, there was no, there was no motivational speaker. And in, in fact, I've had people now that, that, that I give keynote speeches, try to place me in a motivational speaker box. And I, I personally find the term uh, offensive. I, I don't want to motivate anyone. Uh, I, I'm a, I call myself, I'm a what's possible speaker. You can come from where I come from, but it's still possible to achieve the things that I, I've achieved. So I just look at life and ask yourself, what, what do you want to achieve? What do you, what do you want to do? Uh, especially, man, and I'm not going to go too political on this, but you know, here in the States, uh, before this whole virus disruption, immigration was a big topic. You know, uh, the border and shutting the border and immigrants coming in and I look at the fact that there's a single mom walking 1,100 miles from Honduras with her two children trying to get into this country to create an opportunity for herself. Man, on my worst day on some of the shit that I went through, I never had to face that. Man, I was born here. 
So for me, I feel like, okay, if you were born here, you can achieve whatever you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, we've all read the stories of an immigrant that's come to this country with 45 cents in their pocket, you know, years later, they're a multimillionaire. Okay, well, if they can pull that off, hell, I was born here. I'm already a step ahead of them. So it, it, for me, I don't make excuses. I'm not a victim. Mm -hmm. I don't blame others. It, you know, oh, my, my mom and dad were never married. And, and my, my dad was a pimp and my mom was an orphan. And I, it, okay, great. That all happened. Now, what are you going to do today? What are you going to mm -hmm. do tomorrow? How are you mm -hmm. going to improve yourself? So you can, you know, blame your mom and dad. Oh, my, my dad, he, he, he was a yeller. He was an alcoholic. Okay, what's I got to do with you now? Move forward. What are you going to do? So mm -hmm. that, that's kind of my, my approach to it all. Yeah, too many people tell themselves that, you know, things are just too hard, you know, and it, it doesn't help them at all. Like, I feel like it's just another excuse, you know, for them to do nothing. And totally. yeah. If, if you listen to it, 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 I appreciate that you said that. Um, mindset choices and hard work equals success. And someone said to me, well, JT, it's not that easy. I go, I never said easy was in the equation. You didn't hear that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and someone challenged me on this and they said, JT, well, I live in a community where there aren't that many opportunities. I said, okay, <laughs> I got one word. That's an, e that's an easy solution. I got one word. And they were like, what? I go move. Mm -hmm. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, what's really funny is actually like, that was kind of what I ran into in high school. I'm from the middle of nowhere and I'm a tech person. There were no programming jobs here. It's like, I had to move out of my city in high school to go intern somewhere. And it's like, you've got to do what it takes to like go out there and make those opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yep. Totally. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It, but you, yeah. You can't wait for, I mean, it's so cliche, but at the, at the end of the day, man, it's just, what, what do you want to do? Then, mm -hmm. then go do it. Make, make a decision. And it, it's that simple. You know, the alarm clock goes off in the morning at 4 a.m. for me each morning. Yeah, I'm human. There's days I don't want to get up. But then I say to myself, okay, right now there's somebody in a hospital bed with cancer. They would love to get up. Mm -hmm. I get out of bed. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, choices. Man, I love McDonald's. I'll own it. Some people say, oh, McDonald's. <laughs> hey, I love McDonald's. I got to pass McDonald's on the way to the gym. Do I go to the gym or do I go to McDonald's? It, it's a choice. It, it's mm -hmm. that simple. And then, like I said, hard work, man, just put in the hours. I'm not here, – here's something from a hiring perspective. Uh, I, have fi I find it incredibly interesting that people will go and have an interview with a company – and they're doing their best to get hired and they want to get a foot in the door and they, they want to go in, work hard, have that opportunity. But at the same time, they're asking about time off. That day, what the hell is that? If, if you're trying to get in the door and you haven't even started, you're already asking about taking time off. How's that work? So mm -hmm. it's, it's a mindset of how do you want to uh, improve? What, what do you want to do? If, you, if you're going to an interview, show up 30 minutes early. No one's ever been fired for being early. No one. No one's ever been fired or missed an opportunity for being early. But I know a ton of people who have been fired and missed an opportunity for being two minutes late. Mm -hmm. yeah, I just want to expand on that. Like, there's this great quote that Elon Musk said. Like, if you, so if you work 100 hours and everyone else works 40 hours, like, you will get done. You will get what they get done in one year in four months. Yep. And it's that hard work you put in that pays off exponentially in the long run. Mm -hmm. it, it does. And, and 
I've been challenged on that as well because so many people, uh, to me, lo love the quote, by the way, but at the same time, it doesn't always come down to amount of hours work. You know, right, right mm -hmm, now, definitely. another bullshit uh, term that's in our country that everybody jumps on work-life balance. Bullshit. It's this, th there's life. That's it. What are, life what comes first and then work. Well, and, and here's the thing. We all have to eat. We all have to pay bills. We all need some money for what, whatever it is. So there's just life. There's no work-life balance. And, and why I find the term so offensive is when you, for most people, when they say work-life balance, here's what they attack. Don't work 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Don't pick up your phone first thing in the morning and do your emails. You know, the, the four-day work week, everyone attacks work, work, work. But no one ever checks themselves on the, the life balance piece. How mm. about you don't binge watch all weekend and then wake up on Monday morning pissed off because you don't like where you are in life? How about you not go to the bar Thursday through Sunday and then wake up Monday morning pissed off because you, you aren't where you want to be in life? It sounds like the formula for average. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And here's the thing. Binge watch away. Go to the bar. I'm not knocking you. Just don't bitch on Monday when you're not where you want to be. So you have to make a choice. Again, we're right back to choices again. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then the last piece on this, man, our society equally makes it rough as well. And I'll give you an example of this. Apple will come out with a new iPhone. And we had the audacity as a society to put the camera on the person who stood in line 24 hours for the new iPhone that does two new things than the phone you already have. So they stood in line 24 hours to get a new iPhone. Then we showed them walk out celebrating because they just paid $1,100 for the new iPhone. Why? Why? When's the last time you ever heard someone, oh man, I've been studied my, my financial retirement all weekend. That's all I did. I just worked. When's the last time somebody said that? No one. But everybody wants to brag about binge watching Game of Thrones that does nothing for you. Mm -hmm. I think this is why it's so important to like surround yourself by good people. It's like I removed so many friends first year of college and it's like because you know it's like no offense to them it's just like there are certain people that I want to be surrounded with and like if you're not like that then I will have to remove you. Yeah mm -hmm. yeah you you have to surround yourself. Here's what's funny some people say you have to surround yourself with people who are going places are, are you know more, more in in areas where you want to be mm -hmm. i rather surround myself with no one than surround myself with people who are just going to pull me down exactly that's exactly what i've done it's like it's funny because it's really hard to find people like i said are like motivated at least in person like online i found a pl I've found, i found plenty of people like most of my closest friends are honestly like online friends like kevin is the only person that i found that's like actually pretty ambitious in person and so it's like other than that it's like i've removed pretty much everyone because that's just what's necessary for me to keep that mindset going yeah mm -hmm. it's uh, i i will say this to people going into college just graduating from high school you will have less you will have a maximum of five friends your entire life and when i say friends I'm talking about if they have a dollar, they'll give you 50 cents. Not, not, I know a lot of people, trust me, given, given my role, what I do, I know a lot of people. 
but I got about five friends, maybe seven, because I'm, I'm older. So, um, but yeah, I choose the word friendship very carefully as well. Who's my actual friend? A friend is someone that I know if they have a dollar, they'll give me 50 cents. If I've got a dollar, I'll give them 50 cents. When you can use that measurement, that to me is the true bridge of friendship. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think we're, we're like a little bit over. So we have like one last question uh, that we yeah. like to ask everyone. Um, would you prefer a coffee, tea, or soda? We've been polling people. Oh man, I'm, I'm a, I'm a coffee guy. I don't, you know, okay. soda, obviously ton, ton of sugar, uh, tea. I'm just not a big fan of the, of the taste of it. So I'm a, I'm a coffee guy. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. I like that. Love it. All right. And then where can people find you online? Man. So, you know, there's, there's uh, scribemedia.com. The, the place for, if you're looking for me personally, there's my website, jtmccormick.com or I post uh, what I call lessons learned uh, on LinkedIn every Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm a big proponent and fan of sharing your mistakes. Not, you know, if you look, most everybody is always sharing their successes and, and who did what, you know, top five things Jeff Bezos does, top 10 thing Elon Musk. Man, tell me the mistakes. I learned the most from, from mistakes. So I share my mistakes. I share things that, that I've learned throughout my career. Uh, and every Tuesday and Thursday, I, I post them on LinkedIn. Love it. All right. We will see you guys next time. 